And you may be seated. If you want to find your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 6, we are making our way through this book. We are, next week, we will actually finish our sprint through the book of Ephesians, okay? So you've made it. And uh, I tell you what, this book has been so good for the transformation and shaping of our church. We're in Ephesians chapter 6 this morning. You know, almost everything that you and I do reasonably well, we've had to like work at it, right? There's been, we had to apply ourselves, there's diligence, there's training, there's failure, there's practice, right? I mean, think of it, like academically, if you had any success academically, meaning like you actually found your class, right? You actually showed up and you got your homework done, maybe even got good grades. I want you to know, you had to learn how to apply yourself. Uh, just kind of looking around, like seeing all the different careers and jobs that are represented. Like if you're good at your job, why you had to learn how to apply yourself. There was some mentoring and coaching and you had to learn from some failures and, but you're growing and you're getting better and that's just kind of how it works. It's true of everything, whether like musical skills, like singing, playing an instrument, I can assure you, if you're good, there's been a lot of time and practice. Athletics, anything from golf to basketball, if you're going to be good, there's going to be some training involved. True of even your hobbies, like photography, chess, right? You know, we understand that. You've got to put some effort in if you're going to grow and develop. But there is one area in our life where we seem to like just kind of cut that whole thinking out. In fact, it's a critical area of the Christian life. And so often there's so very little intention given to it in terms of instruction and development. And I'm talking about prayer, just learning how to communicate and commune with God. And what we're about to talk about, I want you to know, this is a big growth area in my life. When I look at prayer and my prayer life, I've seen a lot of progress, certainly from the time that I placed my faith in Christ back in college until this present time. I, I see there's been growth and development, but there is so much more growth that can take place. And I've, you know, met saints in our church, and, they, and I've learned about their prayer life. I'm like, man, I want to continue to grow like that. And the text we're going to look at today in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 18 through 20, has been so incredibly helpful to me. But, you know, prayer is unlike anything else that we do. So, like for me... I'm a guy that likes effectiveness and efficiency. I like to extend and, and put in effort, and then I like to see results, right? So, like, maybe you're like that. So, for instance, like, it's one of the reasons I like to mow my yard, because I know that if I mow it, I can immediately look and see progress. And just how it worked out yesterday with my schedule, I ended up mowing my yard in the rain last night. I try to avoid that. The neighbors think... It's like, oh my gosh, there he is again. But when at least when I was done and I looked out, standing in my garage, watching the rain come down, my yard was mowed. And when I woke up this morning, when the sun finally came up, I'm like, yeah, looks good. The yard's mowed. Or maybe it's cleaning the house or chopping wood. You put some effort in and you see output. But I want you to know that prayer doesn't work like that. I find that there's things that I've been praying about for some time. In some case, cases, some things really important to me, like for years, and I'm not sure I even see a lot of movement. Every once in a while, I see some glimpses like, okay, maybe God is answering the prayer maybe like I would like to, or 
maybe he's got a different plan and I just need to keep asking according to his will. But, but I'm, I'm keeping at it when it comes to prayer. But so often, though, I don't see a lot of progress sometimes in my prayers. And, and prayer is different in the sense that it's like a completely different plane. It's not on the physical plane. It's a spiritual plane. When I talk with God, the living God of the universe, like he doesn't audibly speak back to me like he did Moses and the burning bush. And it's interesting, like when we come to prayer, we think it should just come naturally. I mean, think about it. After all, we're in relationship with the living God of the universe. We are, are, have a relationship with Christ and we think like, you know, it should just automatically flow. It should just, it just should happen. And all the times that it doesn't, we're like, hmm, that's interesting. And so what happens is we start to settle for a very superficial prayer life. Like, we'll pray, like maybe before we eat. Well, maybe not in public places. We wouldn't want like to draw any attention or anything like, uh, you know, and, and so yeah, we'll pray before we, maybe before we go to bed, but what happens is we have a rather superficial prayer life. I want you to know that God wants that to change. He wants us to develop as a people of prayer. We understand, like, if you're going to be good, like a guitar player, you're going to have to put some time and effort into that. You don't immediately just pick up a a guitar and like, well, look at bar chords. Well, like, look at me. No, it doesn't work that way. And I want you to know with prayer, it's going to take some development, some investment, some training, some instruction, some mentoring. Really interesting, the disciples of Jesus didn't often request training from Jesus. But on one amazing occasion, they did. You find it in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it happened like this. It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished... Good thing they didn't interrupt. After he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples how to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. We see how important prayer is in your life. There are times where, like, you probably should be sleeping, but here you are praying, and we see that prayer is much more meaningful. Seemingly, you're so much more engaged in talking with your father than, than we are We need some instruction. Would you help us? And I want you to know he did. He taught them. We call it the Lord's Prayer. It's really the disciples' prayer. But if we want to learn how to develop as a person of prayer, then the text we're looking at today, Ephesians chapter 6, 18 through 20, is going to give us what we need. I want you to know that prayer is the key to living in the victory we have in Christ. And we need the victory we have in Christ because we're in a war. And we've been going through it really slowly because in Ephesians chapter 6, there is this outline of the great spiritual struggle by which we find our existence. He says, verse 10, finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Why? Put on the full armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. There is an enemy of our souls is looking to rob us of joy, peace, trust, rest, faith. He can't ultimately defeat us because he's defeated. Because when Christ went to the cross, 
the one who lived the perfect life, died the perfect sacrifice for sins, and was resurrected from the grave, he is alive. And all who believe in him not only receive eternal life, but are going to be secure in his eternal victory that he accomplished at the cross. It is the finished work of the cross. But I want you to know that Satan is actively seeking to bring about all sorts of hazards to your life, to rob you of joy. He can't steal your eternal life, right? But he sure can rob you of peace, perspective, priorities, get you looking upside down. And we know this because he says, verse 11, put on the full armor of God that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil, the methodia. We've been talking about them, the killer D's. Satan is looking to bring about defeat among the children of God. And if you'd like kind of an expanded version of what that looks like, these killer D's of doubt, denial, discouragement, hmm, discontentment, diversion, disregard of godly counsel, disinterest, deception, destruction, disunity, doctrinal confusion, duplicity, just raw disobedience. And he traffics in these things. He's really good. He's been working at it for thousands of years. You're not his first rodeo. And I want you to know, it gets complicated out there and confusing, defeating. And you see it, and he wrecks a lot of havoc. For the lost, he keeps them just enamored with anything but God. I mean, yeah, they have challenges and difficulties. I mean, that's what it looks like when you're lost and there's this huge void, but the world says, oh, you need to fill this with this part of entertainment. You need a better job, better spouse. We need to do this. You need more money, whatever. But for the saved, he uses the killer D's to bring defeat. And what we need is the armor of God. And that's why we took the slow walk through it because this is critically important to your spiritual well-being and for us to live in Christ's victory. We're to put on the full armor of God in your school. How do you do that? We put on the armor of God by loving and living in the realities of our relationship with Christ. We need to regularly rejoice in what it means to be in Christ and to enjoy this relationship that we have. When we do, we have God's armor on and we are able to be involved in the fight that is taking place. In fact, we who are in Christ and are rejoicing in the realities of this relationship, this eternal relationship we have with the living Lord, we are able to stand in the gap, and that is what is needed. And that whole term, stand in the gap, you heard it before? Yeah? Like, there are parents, we have several grandparents that just, there's, there's great difficulty in their family, and they're standing in the gap. I, I know of several that their kids have blown up their lives and their children involved, and the grandparents are like, you know what? We're standing in the gap. You know where that phrase came from, by the way? It comes from the Bible. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 30. God speaking, and he says this, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me for the land so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. So God is using the imagery of ancient cities, and all ancient cities had a wall around the city. That's how the city was protected. 
So if you're going to get the people in the city, you're going to have to go through the wall. And it's going to be really difficult. They're going to throw stones, burning oil. I mean, they're going to shoot you. I mean, it's, it's difficult to break down the wall. But if a wall could be breached, well, you're going to have pretty easy access to the people inside. And so the imagery that's given here is like Jerusalem is about to face God's judgment. There is a huge breach in the wall, and God says, I'm looking. Is there a single person that takes me seriously, living righteously, willing to pray? And he says, I found no one. But I want you to know that God is intent in raising up men and women and boys and girls who will stand in the gap, who will represent Christ, who will pray. They're, they see their role, the intercessory role that they have. They understand that life is more than their happiness, but God has them for a purpose to be meaningfully involved in his kingdom work. And prayer is the ultimate expression of faith in God. Think of it. When you pray, you're confessing your dependence. You're trusting in him. And we stand in the gap when we learn to pray as a way of life. And that is what is needed. So how does God do this? What does God teach us about cultivating a lifestyle of prayer? I want you to know for me, what we're about to talk about This is of great importance. This is where I am living and growing as a man of God who is learning to be a man of prayer. And I think we all, all of us who take our faith in Christ seriously, like we want to grow and experience the joy. We want to be those who stand in the gap. And let me show you how that's done from this text. The first thing is we need to pray with a dependence upon the Spirit. So take a look, verse 18. He says, with all prayer and petition... Pray at all times in the Spirit. So what is prayer, by the way? Prayer is simply talking with God. It is expressing with your thoughts and your words concerns, praise, um, needs that you have, emotions that you're going through, but you are talking, you're communing with God. And he says, I want you to pray with all Petition. You see it with, with all prayer and petition. Petition is like this urgent request we made of God, okay? It's not just, oh, you know, is this something? Well, please help me here. But like you're pouring out your soul. God, I need you. I am petitioning you. There's an earnestness to this word. And he says, I want you to pray at all times. Now, that doesn't mean that from the moment you wake up to the time you go to sleep, You're in formal prayer, right? No, it doesn't. When you look at Jesus' life, as we have recorded in the Gospels, the apostles, they weren't just 24-7 just praying all the time in terms of like a formal, like you look at them, they're praying. They did pray, and you see that, but it's not all the time. So what it means to pray at all times is to have a consciousness of God, that you're learning how to relate what you were thinking about going through, about to face, you're learning to talk to God about this. So we all have kind of like these little running conversations in our head, and it's just kind of like us talking to ourselves, right? And you're thinking about things. Nothing wrong with that, and I do encourage thinking. Really, it's going to help. But what we want to do is learn how to pray and think. So you invite God into the conversation, And you talk with him about these matters, like, wow, God, I'm really concerned about this. Or like, I am so thankful how you worked in this person's life. And and what you're doing 
is you're taking your thoughts and you're entering it into the conversation of God. That is what it means to pray at all times. And prayer takes a lot of different forms. There's praise, there's intercession where you're coming and praying for someone else, there's confession of sin, uh, there's thanksgiving. There's all sorts of different ways where you can express prayer to God. And so you want to learn how to pray as a way of life. You can pray with your eyes open or closed. You can pray standing, sitting, kneeling, on your face before God. You can pray driving. You can even pray running, which I'm really grateful for. You can pray at any place, at any time. In fact, God looks for us to do that. So when you see something that is beautiful, like maybe the sunflowers that are kind of blooming in these huge fields off of Highway 84, like, wow, God, that is pretty awesome. You are amazingly creative. When you see wonderful things taking place and acts of generosity and kindness and God working in your heart or people's hearts, like you, you give him thanksgiving and praise. You, when you receive a blessing, however small it is, like even a small meal, well, you're thankful. When you got needs, when you face evil, you're bringing these issues to God. When you're facing temptation, well, I want you to know it's going to be pretty alluring. You really need God and his strength to overcome that. So bring him into the conversation. And that's what it means to pray at all times. You're setting your mind on things above, not on the things that are just on the earth. And notice what he says. This is so really critically important. You are, verse 18, to pray at all times in the Spirit, with a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. You're depending and delighting in God. Praying in the Spirit, this has nothing to do with like speaking in tongues or some sort of ecstatic speech where you have repetitive uh, syllables that you're making and it kind of works you into sort sort of emotional state. That's not at all what he's talking about here. He's talking about that you are praying in the Spirit. You're dependent upon God. You are seeing His will, and your prayers are consistent with His will, specifically His Word that the Holy Spirit has given us. And this is so very important when you and I don't feel like praying. So all of us here have times, maybe many, many times, that we don't feel like praying, okay? So like yesterday, going through some significant issues, I want you to know there were a lot of times I didn't feel like praying. But that's the problem. If I base my life and my actions on my feelings and not on my, and put, not putting my faith in the facts of who God is, then I'll start just operating in the flesh. We are to pray in the spirit. We're asking God's will to be done. This is very much related to what we saw earlier in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Remember? He says, do not be drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, right? So like, you got some pain in your life, things aren't going the way you want, and your idol, your fix, is alcohol. I'll just get a little inebriated, I'll feel better about the whole situation, or at least it'll kind of get me through. I want you to know, you are wasting your life. God says, listen, I brought you into my kingdom. I've got a much better way. It's not alcohol. It's me, my spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the spirit. 
what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? It is the intentional dependence and delight in God. It's trusting in Him to guide your thoughts and your behavior. This is how the Christian life is lived. Dependence upon God. Dependence upon His Spirit. And that is especially true in our prayer lives. So if you don't feel like praying, and that's going to happen, going to probably even happen today, God, help me. Help me to see how you are at work. What are you accomplishing? What does your word say? What is your will? But God, I don't feel like praying. I'm asking you to help me. And most assuredly, he will. Remember like in Romans chapter 8, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit? He helps us in our weaknesses. We don't even know how we should pray, right? That is why the Spirit and the Son are interceding on our behalf according to the will of God. And so we're asking God, would you empower my prayers? Would you give me your insight? Fill me with your power as I am praying or learning to pray or starting to pray about these issues. So you want to know what does God teach us? about how to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, the first thing is we need to pray with a dependence upon the Holy Spirit. I can't stress this enough. But there's something else you need to see in verse 18. We need to pray with a determination to stay alert. Take a look at that verse again. He says, With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Here's something you need to know. God, in his wisdom and his sovereignty, has seen it fit that God accomplishes will by incorporating the prayers of his people. Now, God can do whatever he wants, and he is moving forward his kingdom agenda. He is fulfilling his will but he desires to do his work through his people, and he does so as we pray. That's why we need to learn how to stay awake, stay alert. The word be alert means to be vigilant, to stay awake. And he says, be on the alert. Have an awareness of what is going on. So those of you who played athletics, did you ever have your coach like come up to you like when you're on the sideline And, you know, and you're like kind of thinking about a bunch of different things and go, hey, listen, stay in the game. Keep your head in the game. You ever had that? Well, that's kind of what this call is. Yeah, there's a lot of things that you're enamored by. And yeah, I know that you're hurting here and there's some problems over here and there's a lot of distractions in the stands. Hey, keep your head in the game. And that's what he's calling for when it comes to prayer. And we see this. We're to pray with perseverance, has the idea of persistent determination, and we are to pray with petitions. This, that's the word with giving requests. You see that? And this is what God wants us to do. There's a determination to stay alert. Now, that doesn't mean that you'll never, like, fall asleep praying, okay? I want you to know that's happened to me on multiple occasions, okay? And that's actually not a totally bad situation when you are praying and you drift off to sleep. There's far worse things that you could be doing, right, than praying like that. But what he's telling you is that you and I need to start developing awareness of what's going on around us in our own heart and the lives of different people. 
Instead of like, whoa, man, that's terrible. That's a sorry ooh, situation. Ooh. You need to turn that into prayer. Two of Jesus' parables dealt with this. You remember the uh, persistent neighbor? You know, the guy's trying to sleep. He's got the whole house down, which is saying something. If you got kids, you know what I'm saying? When they're all in beds, right? And all is quiet. And then you got your neighbor. Hey, let me in. You know, like, I need some food. I got a guest. Like, you got to be kidding. Go somewhere. We're in bed. Get out of here. No. Remember what Jesus said? You ask, and it shall be given to you. You seek, and you will find. You knock, and it shall be opened. You keep after it. Or remember when he talked about the insistent widow who was just wearing out this judge, keep bringing up her case? You're like, you need to bring justice. I need help here. You remember how Jesus ended that parable? He said, you know what's going to happen? God will bring about justice for his elect, elect who cry to him day and night. He will swiftly bring it. We are to be persistent in prayer. There has to be a determination to stay alert. And what prayer is, is, is talking to God while trusting God. So you're talking with him because you trust him. It's not some sort of perfunctory activity that you just, well, I'm supposed to pray, so I'll say a few things here. No, we're trusting God. We believe that God is accomplishing his will. He has the answers. He can quell the issues in my heart. He can deal with the issues in the people's lives that I'm encountering, but we're talking with him. And God can even, even through our sin issues, do you know that God can work even good out of that? Even if it's the brokenness and the things that we don't even understand, even our own sin, guess what? God is at work. So wherever you find yourself, what you want to do is pray. And let's see what God will do. And, you know, we're, I noticed that, you know, as Christians, we're pretty good about praying for physical needs, right? And rightfully so. I mean, many of the things that are out there, because we live in a fallen world with fallen bodies, right? And we ourselves have fallenness all within us still, well, there's a lot of brokenness and a lot of physical things to pray about, and we should. But we also learn how to, need to learn how to pray for the spiritual needs. When you look at the prayers of the Bible, and there are a lot, like the book of Psalms, for instance, or even just kind of walking through the New Testament, you'll notice these prayers. Notice that they're so often they're praying about spiritual needs, praying that you would be fully mature in Christ, that we'd have boldness and courage and not walk and live in fear, but live by faith. Prayers for forgiveness. Uh, there's a pouring out of your soul of all the issues and the difficulties, right? And you should. Psalm 62, like we just sang, you should pour out your heart before God. But let it be more than just physical needs, but also the spiritual ones. So we have to persevere in his strength. So if you want to see what does God do to cultivate a lifestyle of prayer, well, he tells us we're to pray with a dependence upon the Spirit, and we are to pray with a determination to stay alert. But there's one more thing that I want to draw to your attention, and we find this in the remaining part of our passage, and that is that we are to pray with a devotion to the saints. Did you see that at the end of verse 18? He says, Be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Okay? Wow. Who are the saints, by the way? Are these uh, folks that have died, like, you know, several hundred years ago? They did two miracles, and then we're going to call them a saint? Are those the people? Well, actually, the people who are saints are those who are believers in Christ. So if your faith is in Christ, you are a saint. Are you serious? Me? Yeah, you. You're a saint. 
He wants you to live like one, but he wants you to know that your identity is secure because of what Christ has done in you, and you're to pray for all the saints. Well, wow, that's a lot of people. So you're like, well, that's overwhelming. So I won't pray for any of them, so no one will feel left out. No, how about we do this? Start praying for your favorite saint, right? Maybe they're sitting next to you or, you know, someone that like, okay, that comes to your mind, like they share your last name or you're related to them, right? But then what you see, start expanding your circle, friends, coworkers, classmates, folks on your team, people in your church. I mean, we all need prayer, right? And so we start learning to pray for the saints And that's what he says. I want you to pray for all the saints. And this is kind of calling to mind the battle language. Remember how the Roman soldiers fought? They fought in legions. And when the war got on, the battle was being faced, and they're shooting all those arrows that are lit with flames. What do they do? They locked shields. They stood together, and they took it on together. There was none of this like, oh, man, look at those flaming arrows. I see the time. Hey, this is my break time. I got to take 20 from, I got me time. I'm going to be back here drinking some Gatorade. You guys hang in there. No, 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 no. We're in this together. We're praying for the saints. So when God brings people to mind, you should pray for them. There might be a reason why God's bringing them to mind. And Paul says, hey, since we're talking about prayer, I want you to know I need your prayers. Really? Take a look. Verse 19, and he says, And pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul didn't ask for comfort. He didn't even ask for safety, although you might say that would be implied to, so he would be able to speak. But do you notice what he's asking for? I love the transparency. I love the just, this is where he lives. I, he says, I'm asking that you'd pray for me and pray that I would have a boldness, that the words of the gospel wouldn't just be caught up in my throat like, I really can't say anything, so I'll just be silent, which happens to basically many of us, right? Like, better not say anything here. That's not going to go too well with my family member or my friend here. And he's saying, you know what? You know those same struggles that you face? I face. We all at times like... We can put on a pretty good show that we're pretty bold. We don't live in fear, right? We, we got faith. But then, you know, you find yourself in some situations like, I really could say something here or, or be helpful, or I could even pray, but like all of a sudden you go radio silent, right? Not saying anything here. Paul says, you know what? Those killer Ds, those killer Ds that are wrecking some havoc in your life and kind of messing with some of these churches, that's why God had me write this letter. I want you to know I face those same ones the exact same ones you do. Somehow we got this idea that the apostles, they're on a totally different plane. They just were impervious to any sort of attack, never discouraged, never, everything they did just worked out perfectly. No, it's not how it worked. And if you think that, that tells me that you probably really haven't read your Bible very much because God records all the warts, all the problems, all the struggles. In Paul's case, I mean, he even struggled with depression. Read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 6. God who comforts the depressed, comfort us with the coming of Titus. He says, I pray that I not be overwhelmed by my emotions, that I wouldn't go silent. Would you pray, would you pray for me that I would give utterance to the gospel? I'd open my mouth, 
But there would actually be some helpful things coming out of it too and make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel that I would be willing and able to tell people about Jesus, about the forgiveness found in his name, the eternal life, the security that he brings, the peace that only God can bring through Christ. The mystery of the gospel. Mystery means something that hadn't been previously revealed that has now been made known, like that Jew and Gentile, people of every tribe, tongue, and nation, every background are united as one body in Christ. Would you pray that I wouldn't go fearful and silent and just keep my mouth shut? You know, I'm sure there are times where he's like, you know, if I say anything in this situation, this could get a little rough for me even physically, more than a dirty look, which is probably the most we're going to get, right? Paul is saying, I need boldness. I want to be all in. I want to stand in the gap. I'm a prisoner. I'm not praying that you'd ask that I'd get, you know, three square meals and a better coat and nicer treatment and more cable TV channels. No, he's not asking for any of that. He's like, I pray that you'd, that I would be bold and I'm asking for your help. I need confidence in Christ. And he says, look at this. You may have just kind of slipped over this, but look at verse 20. For which I'm an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. That's really interesting. You may have just kind of glossed over the word ambassador, but it's actually a really important word. Was then, is now. See, to be an ambassador from another part of the world, and you came from an opposing kingdom, but you are a representative of that king, of that nation. I want you to know in, in the times of when the Roman Empire was the big thing, there were other emissaries, ambassadors, that were sent from other parts of the world, and they would come to Rome. And they were treated with great respect, even if they didn't agree, there was no harm that ever happened to the ambassador. And when the ambassador went back and he got on his camel and was going to make the, you know, thousands of miles trip back through the desert, they were assured safety that they would not be attacked. That's because that was kind of the code of how ambassadors were treated and handled. But here's something Paul says, I am an ambassador for Christ. I am an ambassador for the kingdom of heaven. But notice how he's being treated. Does he see that in verse 20? I'm ambassador in luxury. I don't think so. In chains. I want you to know that if you should ever take an ambassador back then or today, and like, you know what? We don't like you or your government. And so what we're going to do, we're going to chain you up. All right? You know how that would be seen back then and today? An act of war. So whatever they got, they're going to bring it. Why? You mistreated the ambassador. And we understand that today. I mean, we have some folks that we don't really get along with our governments too well, and we don't agree with what they're doing, but we treat their ambassadors really well. The only kingdom that actually has the exception to that is it's the kingdom of heaven. Because the world will do whatever it takes and they will abuse the ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And Paul is front and center, an example of what that looks like. And yet he's saying, would you pray that I would have boldness? Yeah, they chained me. This is an act of war against God, but here I am. And I'm standing here, and I'm not going to waste my life. So did God use this prayer? Well, you know, so often when we pray, we like, I don't really see the answers like I'd like. 
It's interesting. You know, after God had Paul write the book of Ephesians, and that letter was sent, and it was circulated among the churches, do you know the next book that he wrote? It was the book of Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 1, we have this great insight. We see the real power of prayer. And he says, Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 through 14, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. What was his circumstances? He's imprisoned, chained, right? So that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well-known throughout the whole praetorian guard. Who is the praetorian guard? These were the elite bodyguards of the Roman generals and leaders. They were the finest that Rome had to offer. And guess what? Their prayers were used by God so that Paul actually had all these discussions with their elite military And the Praetorian Guard were talking about the gospel and looking this, look at this, and that inspired boldness in other witnessing Christians. Even, uh, excuse me, what he says that I have even everyone else, even most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Where did that come from? Well, it came from the prayers of God's people. Friends, we stand on the gap when we learn to pray as a way of life. If you would like a biblical example of what that looks like, there's a cool guy by the name of Epaphras. Colossians chapter 4, verse 12. It says this, Epaphras, who's one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers. And what is he praying about? That they'd have a nice life? Well, take a look that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. That you would be perfect, fully mature, assured of the will of God. That's what it looks like to stand in the gap. So how do you stand in the gap? Let me give you an acronym. G, that's the acronym GAP. G is for go to God regularly. Start with your own heart, issues that are going on. God, I don't feel like praying, pretty upset about something, whatever it might be. Facing some sort of temptation, God, this is my heart, and I'm asking for your help here. But then learn how to pray for others as you become aware of needs. Like in our family, every time we come come across a car wreck, we we pray for those who are injured and for those who are attending, the first responders. It's just a pattern of prayer. We see the need. We want to pray. You want to learn how to pray for people, but here's something I want to challenge you. Try praying with people. You're likely not to be ever let down. Now, don't make a big scene of it or anything like that. Don't embarrass. They may feel uncomfortable, but boy, it'll make such a difference. And pray for those that you know. So go to God regularly. Second A is ask according to his will. Learn to pray according to God's word, God's will. Remember John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If you abide in me, Jesus says, and my word abides in you, ask whatever you wish, and it shall be done for you. So if you're living in his word, right? His word is shaping your desires, your thoughts. He says, you ask according to my word. And I want you to know that God is at work. He's incorporating you and accomplishing his will. That means that we want to learn how to pray for spiritual needs like we pray for physical needs. That we live by faith gratitude. We'd have the ability to forgive, that we're not living in guilt, not living in fear, but God help us to live by faith, joy in Christ. We're praying for spiritual needs. Um, You're going to find that 
When you combine your life and your studying with prayer, it'll be so much richer. And then P is persevere in his strength. Persevere in his strength. Now, sometimes when I'm praying, like I find like my mind is really distracted. Now I'm a list guy, and so like I think of things, I'm praying, and it's like I'm going to put that on my list so I don't have to think about that. It's one of the benefits of writing a list. But there are times where I'm still distracted, so what I do is I have learned to pray out loud, okay? Not real loud, because I might be the only one up, but I'm praying out loud because I'm so distracted. I also find that if you can't read because you're so distracted, reading out loud will do the exact same thing. It's just how God's wired our mind. But I've also written my prayers and even typed some of them out when I find myself distracted, but I want to learn how to persevere. And it's not the length of your prayers, but it's the strength of your prayers. So don't think like you need to pray for a really long, like a couple hours. It might be just even a couple minutes, but God will develop you in that. But let's make prayer our first resort. So before that meeting, as you get up, when you have an opportunity, when you're seeing something difficult, what you want to do is learn how to pray. It can be a short prayer, but it's that communion with God. And I will tell you that apart from prayer, and regular communion with God, you're going to settle for a superficial life and ministry. And I don't think any of us want that. The key to victory, strength, it's prayer. So I just have one question for you. Who is going to stand in the gap? Will you stand in the gap? You're like, well, how do you do that? Right here, just like the text said. You see, we stand in the gap when we learn to pray as a way of life. Let's pray. And I want to give you just a minute to come before the living God and ask his spirit to empower your prayers. You're depending and delighting in him. Just enjoy that sweetness of fellowship. And ask God to continue to carry that through this week and the weeks to come. Ask God to help all of us be more alert and eager to share in the joy of communion with God and to pray for each other. For someone who is here today who's never truly trusted in Christ, would they pray with me now and say, God, I see that Christianity is not just a religion. It's a relationship with the living God. I, I'm turning from my sin. I, I repent. I, I need you. I need, I need real relationship with you. And so I'm trusting in Christ right now. And God, would you empower our prayers Fill us with your joy. Make us alert. May we pray according to the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, would you accomplish your work in our lives, in our church, for your glory as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.